imagine your college courses or professional training as a podcast? And is it possible that you could retain that information better through audio only than you would if you took it online? Welcome back to another edition of The Angel Nest, where real angel investors and entrepreneurs partner to build great businesses. I'm David Hemingway. I'm a five-time founder and now an active angel investor. And my mission here is to talk about how investors collaborate with startups to build great companies. We don't make or recommend investments here, but we do try to help entrepreneurs and angels find the right partnerships. Today, we're talking with the founder and the first investor of ALP, spelled A-L-P-E, it's an audio platform that is doing for academic and professional courses what Audible has done for books and podcasts. It's no secret that audio is exploding as a bigger part of people's everyday lives. ALP is capitalizing on that trend by providing complete college-level courses in an audio format, perfect for learning on the go. Their professors come from well-known schools like the City University of New York, Fordham University, and Imperial College, and they offer content on a wide variety of topics from the principles of finance to product marketing and the one that's probably most popular with this group, how to start a startup. Joshua Zlatogorski is the founder of ALP, and Jeremy Pressman, his first investor. Thanks to you both for joining us. Great to be here. Josh, do you design your audio courses to augment or to replace in-person learning? Yeah, it's a great question. And the answer is definitely to augment in-person learning when it comes to the university side. So we actually have several professors who use our courses to augment their university experience for students, especially now that it's all online in any case. Um, and the idea there is the more students come to pre pre come prepared to class, the better the in-person experience is for the professor and for the students. Um, and so in that sense, it's definitely to augment. Um, when we think about the lifelong learning, continuing education and upskilling kind of demographic, um, which is a huge market and uh, a, a large target market of ours, for there, it's really to be a standalone course where if you take an ALP course, you'll know everything you need to know to master that topic. Um, things are always better if you can have kind of that expert professor to guide you through it. But the idea is post-university, this will be your guide to master those topics in depth. And compared to MOOCs or other formats, you find that you actually have better completion rates? Yes, yes. Um, and I... I think A, it really comes to the fact that audio is just a habit building platform, right? Audio fits into your daily life in a way that video doesn't, um, maybe besides binging Netflix, but audio really comes into your daily commute, um, your chores, and just slots into the spare time that you have. And that lends itself to bite-sized learning that really fits into your day. And learning, at least the way we think about it, is really all about compounding your learning. Right? If you learn 20 minutes, 40 minutes each day over the course of a month, two months, a year, two years, that really becomes very powerful. And we've seen that dynamic play out with our users. Um, our main cohort of learners uh, learn on average two or three times a week. They're learning over 50 minutes a week. Um, and the completion rates for courses are three times higher. And you say that's also because the courses are interactive. How are you doing that in an audio format? Sure, sure. So I think one of the problems and drawbacks for audiobooks and podcasts today, and audio in general, is that it's a passive format. And when you think about learning, for learning to be effective and in-depth, it has to be interactive. I have to be challenging you as a learner. You have to be interacting with the material. Um, that doesn't exist today, mainly because of the way the value chain of podcasts and audiobooks work. 
And so we've built our courses to be interactive from day one. Um, and I can start with little things like pinging you with a question at the end of a lesson and going all the way into kind of choose your own adventure uh, courses that take you down the rabbit hole of content that you want to learn that you're interested in. And that also plays a big role in user experience and retention. So Jeremy Pressman, your day job is partner in the Advantage Sports Tech Fund. So uh, this is a personal investment for you. And I'm curious, what gave you the confidence to be the first investor in ALP? So when I, when I first met Josh in about 2015 or 2016, he was a, a young guy working at uh, our crowd, which is Israel's most active uh, venture capital group. And he had been tasked with a, a pretty large responsibility on the business development side, it really expanding and productizing relationships with multinationals and specifically seven of the Fortune 500 companies. And he took you know, what looked like an impossible task and within a year, year and a half, was not only able to land and expand those contracts, but more than double them, which is pretty significant uh, improvement in bottom line for the companies, even, even going on to today, that product still lives on as is successful. He was able to parlay that into becoming Israel's point person uh, and main investor for Toyota here in Israel, which, you know, in a span of a couple of years, he went from having no VC experience at all to managing, you know, about 200 million. So uh, he's just one of those guys that you kind of put him in a space and he tends to punch way above his weight. Do you see audio still ripe for investment, even with the capital that's been committed? I mean, we have Audible, Spotify, endless podcast platforms and ways to monetize them. You still think it's an attractive space? Yeah, I, I, I do. I think that the where where we sit today is that people are craving additional ways to gather knowledge, right? And these kind of more short, more digestible, bite-sized ways to learn and actually retain knowledge via voice and audio, I think is is something that is still ripe for disruption. As the first investor, what attracted you to Alp? What made you jump in? Yeah, David, I'm a professional basketball player by nature, right? I, I'm a team guy. It's all about people. And Josh is one of the top people that I've met so far. So it was pretty easy to say, hey, if you're serious about doing this, I'll be, I'll be first money. Are you adding other value besides capital? I, uh, I'll, I'll let Josh answer that one, but uh, I'm, I'm trying to make introductions as I can. Uh, there are some natural overlaps being in the VC world and sports is pretty broad. So we come across quite a few people. Um, but you know, I think he's probably better positioned to answer that one. Jeremy is a fantastic sounding board um, and supporter in in every kind of way that an entrepreneur would want their first investor to be. Um, first and foremost, as a person um, and on a personal level, I think. Um, and after and that's, I think, the most important thing for your first investor. And after that comes the professional side of things, because just the first few years of building a company are so full of you know everything you can imagine the ups and downs and the biggest form of help is really having someone there to support you and listen and be there to bounce off ideas so josh what does your business model look like yeah so we sell um, our platform on a subscription basis to just general lifelong learners or people who are looking for a career change and the other model we actually have is um, professors use these courses as part of their course syllabus um, and so universities or book publishers or just in general platforms who offer this on a course level basis. And so we have uh, partnerships with universities, professors, as well as book publishers who are looking to distribute these audio courses through their channels. 
And one of the great things about audio is that it's not terribly expensive to create, right? The difficulty comes in the broad distribution where the big guys really do have an advantage. So how are you planning to build a moat around that? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, the way we think about our own moat is really on two planes. And one of them is that the content is no, you know, content is king, but content is really just the table stakes that you need to kind of play in the game. Therefore, great content isn't a moat per se, um, but what is from a content perspective is we are vertically integrated from the content creation to content distribution. And that's actually something today that doesn't exist in, definitely in audio. Um, Spotify is a platform, Audible licenses books and then just distributes them. And if you're not integrated with the content creation, then there's just a lot of things that you can't do in terms of those interactive learning parts that we were talking about before. Um, and being able to control the content creation and the distribution is an aspect that's very hard to overcome and it's very hard to mimic. Um, so that's number one. Number two is throughout this process, part of our key technological stack is really building the tools to create content in an automated and seamless fashion. And what we've been really learning over the past 10, 16 months is what steps in the content creation process can be automated using natural language processing and what part of that pipeline can be streamlined. And so imagine if you know, a year down the line and you're a professor or you already have a video course on some kind of platform. Um, and I told you, David, you can come and, and transform your existing content into an audio course in just, you know, three, four, five hours, right? Kind of like what Wix has done for websites, right? You can build your own website in two, three, five hours. Um, when that happens with technology, that just creates a huge market out of nowhere. Um, and that IP that know-how also from a process, but also from an AI perspective, um, that is a real competitive mode. Are you working with professors directly or with the schools? Higher ed is notoriously difficult to sell to. Right, right. So this is something that we dove in really deeply when we were researching the company. Um, this was before I even spoke to Jeremy about the first night in, but um, licensing is, is an issue that we deal with. And we have started to work with professors who own their courses. And not all professors own the IP to their courses, but many, many do. Um, and we've started working with these professors rather than the universities simply from a sales cycle perspective, right? So getting a university on board is something that will happen. And we're actually in discussions with a few and starting pilots with a few, but it's not the sales cycle that will get a company from pre-seed to seed. It's more of the sales cycle that will get a company from seed to A and reaching scale. And that will happen in due time. But first, we're tackling the professors um, and the value proposition to them. You're both based in Israel, but it seems like a lot of your expansion is happening in the U.S. So what does your roadmap look like? Yeah, so this is, this is an aspect that I definitely saw in my VC days um, investing in Israeli companies, which is Israeli companies from day one build global. Um, Israel is a tiny, tiny market. There are 8 million people here. And so Israeli companies know that to be venture backable and if you really wanna make a difference and have an impact, you have to be a global company from day one. Um, and so we've built this in, you know, the platform is entirely in English. The AI models are entirely in English. All the content is from universities around the world. I mean, you said Imperial, we have courses from Columbia, from Rutgers. And so the idea is to definitely be a global platform 
we're focusing on the U.S. markets actually, um, and in that sense, being in Israel is far away from our market. But I think what we've seen during the pandemic has been the world really is flat. It's as flat as a Zoom screen, and so you can really get in touch with everyone. And that was true before the pandemic, and it's just more true today. And how has COVID affected Alp? Yeah, so COVID accelerated a lot of trends. Um, and we were definitely hit by COVID in some senses that uh, we're an audio-based learning platform. And so when people stop commuting, then they stop listening to audio. And we definitely saw that during the first few months of the pandemic where um, also podcast listening went down. Um, it's since rebounded, but we definitely had two months of, uh, of high anxiety. But I think the real, the real change that COVID brought has just been the openness that universities and and professors have towards online learning um, and online teaching, right? Today, everyone's teaching on Zoom. Um, professors are just as Zoomed out as their students are, and they're looking for different alternatives. Um, and just from a content perspective, you know, pre-pandemic investors used to ask us, you know, is there really a large enough library of online courses that you can use? That question has disappeared because today, every single lecture is a Zoom recording. And so the library of, of available content that we use as inputs to our content pipeline has exploded. So in that sense, it's really, really been a big positive. Josh, tell us where folks can get in touch with you. Just shoot me an email. I'm at Yehoshua, Y-E-H-O-S-H-U-A. It's basically Josh, just in Hebrew, um, at alpaudio.com. You can find me on Twitter at Yehoshiel. I'm very responsive and more than happy to speak to anyone who's listening to the podcast. And Jeremy, where can you be reached? Best is to get me on LinkedIn, Jeremy Pressman on LinkedIn. Congratulations, Josh Slotogorski and Jeremy Pressman. We look forward to following your progress. Thanks Thank you. for having us, David. You can learn more at our website, theangelnest.com. And now for the disclaimer that we don't make or recommend investments at The Angel Nest. Our podcast is for informational purposes only. We do not independently verify and cannot be responsible for claims made by our guests or sponsors. You should always do your own homework before investing in any business, especially in private ventures. I'm David Hemingway. We produce The Angel Nest with help from David Newhoff. Thanks for listening. And here's hoping my fellow angel investors and the founders they support find their next great venture. So long until next time.